the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It tells a story about what we really believe. So what story are you telling? The way you act, not in this 90 minutes, the way you act on your daily life, that's telling the story about what you believe about God and His Word. What's your story? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Good morning, church. Welcome to worship. I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to continue our study today. Our title for this message in this series, How to Change the World, is this. It's how does the gospel look on you? We, we spent a lot of time looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how Romans begins. Romans 1, 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So let me remind you of what the gospel is. Uh, the, the gospel is that Jesus died as the punishment for our sins. That he was buried. But that God raised him from the dead. Aren't you thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, as we continue our journey through the book of Romans, we're not, we're not just looking at what the gospel is. We're also examining now the implications or the application of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And, and so we've been saying things like this. Our, our doctrine informs our duty as a follower of Christ. Or maybe we would simply say this, our, our beliefs instruct our behavior. And this is really important because I've learned that religious practice without sound doctrine actually leads to spiritual malpractice. And some of you have been kind of a victim to that, maybe in some of the teaching and preaching settings that you've been up under. You've had some things taught that simply weren't consistent with the the scriptures, with the doctrine that we find in God's word. And, And so as a result, you begin to kind of live out some wacky things in your faith practice. And And it causes your whole journey to be off kilter. So I just want to remind us of where we've come from. For the last few weeks, we've been here in Romans chapter 12 talking about how to change the world. And we started with this great verse, Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Oh, I just have to pause when I hear that. Because I'm so thankful for the mercies of God. I'm so thankful that God doesn't give me what I deserve. Man, he would have struck me down with a lightning bolt long ago if that's the way he operated. But for the mercies, the compassion, the love of God. But for the mercies of God, 
Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so all of the rest of Romans is going to be instructing us as to what it looks like to live as that living sacrifice, to, to give God our best in worship, because we've discovered that worship is, is so much more than what takes place in 90 minutes as we gather in a particular place. Worship is our life offered before God for his glory. So how do we live that out? Or how does the gospel look on us? Are in us. So two Sundays ago, I was worshiping with our mission team in Streatham, England. Man, a great church that we're going to be partnering with there. It was such a blessing, such an encouragement to, to be with that group of saints. But they had plans for us. And those plans were after a, a quick sandwich lunch uh, to go out on the street and to meet people, strangers, and to, to pray for them and to witness to them. And that sounded like a good idea until... I walked outside, and I'm just telling you, after 12 years in Florida, my blood is thin. It was freezing in England. I mean, it was cold, and I began to panic, so I turned to some of our friends there on the team, and I said, uh, your preacher needs to buy a coat. We, we need to find a coat store, and so we're walking toward this high street. It's actually the, the, the longest high road in, in all of Europe, and, and we're walking to this high street where we're going to do this evangelism, and I spot something. It's something, my mom was a hunter like this, and she trained me to, to spot these things. It was the words outlet, and so I, I, knew, I knew that that may be the answer to my problem. And so I walked across the street and straight into that store. And there in that store, I took this very coat off of the rack and I put it on my body like this. And I looked at my friends and I said, how's it look? And my friend, Charlie, he'd followed me right in there. He said, you look marvelous. <laughs> so I took it right off. I walked right up to the counter and I said, how much is this coat? And that's the best news. It's the best expenditure I've ever made. That coat was 75% off. I got it for 40 bucks. I wore it the whole rest of the trip. It looked good on me. Here's what I've learned. It's the one thing I want you to get from this passage of Scripture. When we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, there should be a noticeable difference in how we love others. Thanks to the gospel, we love others as Jesus has loved us. The gospel, the change that God makes in us should look good on us. It should look good in us. Now, last week, we continued in Romans 12, and, and we learned that we're not to think too highly of ourselves. Remember that phrase, uh, chapter 12, verse 3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We talked about the importance of humility. In the Christian faith, we need less celebrity, more humility. Today, the Apostle Paul is, is teaching us that community is a good lab for the formation of humility. 
he's reminding us we're, we're better together. So we need, we need to figure out how to do this thing, how to journey through life, how to make it together. Because better doesn't happen by accident. We, we constantly have to do what it says in Romans 12.1. We constantly have to go to the altar, put our lives on the altar, and say, here I am, a living sacrifice. Renew my mind today so that I'm not conformed to the image of the world, so that I am more transformed into the likeness of Christ. I have to be mindful of that. That's why around our church, you're, you're going to see signs reminding you just of some of the basics all the time. Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, so we try to tell you, it really is simple. Love God passionately. Love others intentionally. That's what it's all about. And I try to go deeper. I, I try to dig a little further into my faith. But I'm telling you, I'm still struggling with those two basic things. I wake up most days and I'm not loving the Lord enough. And I don't love others as much as I should. And so this passage is one of those that really helps us to get into that and and see, okay, how is that lived out? How does that look on us? It's one thing to talk about it when when you gather in a building. But how does it look when I'm back in the classroom or when I'm in my office or or when I'm out on the streets or, or when I'm hanging out with my friends? How does the gospel look on me? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. That's what I want us to pray about before we read this next passage of Scripture. So, Father, man, so good to hang out in your presence and to worship you and to pray and to sing and, Lord, now even to read your word and to know that you're not a distant deity that can't be connected with, but that you want to be related to. So here we are. (laughs) This is Paul. Got a lot of my friends and family here. And we're just saying, speak to us afresh and anew. I need a fresh word from you. Give us in these few minutes that which we need for today, our daily bread. Teach us that new knowledge as we seek to grow in our understanding of who you are and, and make us more like you. Oh God, nobody here needs another religious service. What a waste of our time if we've come together and we don't walk out different. So let this moment be part of the transformation in our lives. And oh, Father, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, oh, God, I beg you that today would be the day of their salvation. 
So, Lord, let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you. Let them not get in the way of your will. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read a rather lengthy passage of Scripture, but before I do that, I want to give you a little more context. As we read through the New Testament, it starts with four Gospels. These are four Gospel writers inspired by the Holy Spirit of God that are telling us of the events of the life of Jesus. And then we've got this series of, of letters Sometimes if you grew up in church, you heard them called the epistles, and that's kind of confusing because you think, what are the epistles? Are they the wives of the apostles? I don't know. Um, but, but they're letters that were written by these men of God inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And most of them in the New Testament were written by a guy named, do you know his name? Paul. I like that name. Um, they're, they're written by the Apostle Paul, and, and Romans is one of those. So it, it to us is a very consequential, large book in the Bible, but it's important you think of it actually as a letter. So it was a letter to a group of people, a letter specifically to a church in a specific city named Rome. But there are some things we know about ancient Rome, some things that distinguished it even from other ancient cities. For example, let me just show you your historical knowledge. You can probably complete the sentence. All roads lead to Rome, right? That that was a statement, a sentiment that was established because there was this system of highways and byways that led into the ancient city of Rome, unlike even some of the other ancient cities, say Corinth or, or some of the smaller cities that Paul would have visited. So long before Al Gore invented the internet, there was this web of roads that led into ancient Rome. And that meant the church at Rome was diverse. Because people came from everywhere. It wasn't just Jews and Greeks by this point that had gathered. And certainly Paul was addressing that. But it was people from different nations. People that spoke different languages. People that had different cultures. And that's why I love Romans. Because it reminds me of Mission Hill. Do you know that every time we gather on a weekend. There are about 70 different nations that are represented. When we come together. People are being listening to this message in Creole, and, and, and they're listening to this in Chinese, and they're listening to this in Spanish, and then some are just trying to understand what in the world I'm saying in my southern English. And, and so we've come together from around the world in these different cultures, and, and we have the same purpose. But guess what? We don't just look different. We are different. And, and whoever came up with the idea that birds of a feather flock together, they knew what they were talking about. And, and birds that are different, man, they just begin to peck at one another after a while. And so sometimes there's disagreement and, and diversity brings challenges. And so Paul, at this point in Romans 12, is dealing with that. He, he's telling you how you get along even though you don't all look alike and sound alike and act alike and like the same likes. And so listen to what he says, Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now remember, there's just really one point to this message. When we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, there's a noticeable difference that should take place in how we love others. And thanks to the gospel, we love others as Jesus has loved us. Now, why would I give you just one point after this long passage I've read? Here's why. Paul gives us 30 exhortations. 30 commands. This is how you do it. And I thought a one-point message was much better than a 30-point message. So I just want to give you that one point, but I want to break down some of these other things that Paul gives us about how we live. Pastor Joby Martin calls this the symptoms of a gospel-infected life. This is not an exhaustive list of things that represent what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but it is an extensive list. The heading in my Bible says, marks of a true Christian. In other words, this is how it should look on you if Jesus is in you. This is how the Christian life should be exhibited in your little corner of the world. As Christ followers, we don't simply live by a you be you mentality, remember? We live by you be the you God created you to be. And the you he created us to be is one that's constantly being transformed into the image of Christ, his likeness. So with that in mind, what does that look like? It begins very simply. Look at verse 9. Let love be genuine. Now, in those few words, there's two words I want to focus on. The first is the word love. And as you would expect... This is a love you're going to be familiar with if you've heard the Bible taught much. In the Greek language, there would have been several different words that you could use for love. We don't have that in our our language. And, And so, for example, I might say, I love my wife. But then I might also say, man, I sure love this Hershey bar pie that she made for me. I don't love them the same way, but that's just the way we describe it. In our language. In the Greek language, it was different. There was eros love, which is a physical, sensual love. You don't find that in the New Testament, frankly. There was agape love that Jesus talks about, which is a self-sacrificing, a giving love. That's what's described here. And then you're also going to hear more of a brotherly love. Okay, there's one thing to give your all, to put it all in, to lay it all on the line, to love in that way as Jesus did when he died on the cross. There's another thing to just learn to love like you like each other to be a good friend. Well, here he's talking about that all-in love. He says, let your all-in love, as a follower of Jesus, let it be genuine. That's the second word I want you to understand. Genuine. You know what that means? Genuine. It means not fake. And 
I hesitate to do this because all of us can open the scriptures, even in an English translation, and, and understand God's, God's word. But I, I want you to see something. I want you to see that word genuine in the Greek language because I think it'll jump out to you. It, it's the word anipokritos. And in the Greek language, you know what that means? Non-hypocritical. And it, it would literally describe what a hypocrite was. A hypocrite was an actor who would go on stage, and, and typically in ancient Greece, they would have had a mask on, on a little stick, and typically the actor would have had two different masks. And, and one actor would have played two different characters, putting on two different masks. And here, Paul is saying to a group of people who would have understood that, you don't be like that in your love. Don't be an actor. Don't be a fake in how you express love to one another. Now, why in the world would he say that to a bunch of church people? Listen, way back then, and even still today, it's true, church people fake it. We fake it till we make it. You did it, some of you, since you've been here today. You walked by somebody, they said, how are you doing? And you said, great. And you're not great. We've seen your Facebook, it's not great. You're whining about everything. Your life's falling apart. You're... So here's what happens. Allegedly, I, I, I don't go to these places, but allegedly, it's different if you go to a bar. You belly up to the bar, the bartender asks you, how you doing? You say something like this, man, I had a terrible day. And then by the end of the conversation, now you might have gotten loosened up by some chemicals or something else. But by the end of the conversation, you're just looking at this stranger and you're going, I love you, man. But not in church. In church, we just fake it till we make it. And he's saying, don't love that way. Let your love be genuine. Don't be two-faced. Don't be hypocritical. And then he tells us how genuine love looks. Look at verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. It's not a mistake that these two things are together. He literally says, be angry about evil. So he's saying you can't genuinely love someone by overlooking the sinful activity in your life. So parents, grandparents, and all of us need to hear this because we've bought into this mentality that to truly love someone is just to embrace what they do, and that is not biblical. And never forget, it was in the 1990s, I was a student pastor, and I was sitting under the teacher of a man named Josh McDowell, and he warned us of this. He said, we're heading off of a cliff. He said, we're heading into an age where the number one thing, the number one virtue in life is going to be tolerance, but it's not tolerance as we've known it. He said, what we've known tolerance sounds like this. You hate the sin, but you love the sinner. He said, we're heading into a society when that would no longer be acceptable. We're going to be taught that we must not only love the sinner, we must embrace the sin. Friends, that's where we've come in our society. We're taught that tolerance is the number one virtue. But I'm here to tell you today that love is far greater than tolerance. Tolerance is not a biblical value. In fact, our view of tolerance as society teaches it today is really little more than self-comfort. Because what it is saying is we're unwilling to confront that which we know is wrong or untruthful because we don't like the way that it will make us and others feel. We tolerate because we're afraid of offending. 
And yet scripture teaches that we stand for truth and we love in such a way with truth that we risk losing the friendship because we love the friend. I want you to understand something scripturally. If the gospel is being lived out in me, it's necessarily true that I can't love you and simultaneously let you harm yourself without me caring about it. Just think about how silly some of how we act is. We allow people to walk through what we know are harmful life decisions. And yet out of what we call is love, we stop warning them about the danger of their direction. You know that our daughter was born blind. She does amazing. She's an incredible young lady. But there are dangers she does not see. And as a father... How foolish and how evil it would be of me if I let her walk into danger without warning her of that danger in her life. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.